The Gold Card Podcast is brought to you by the Esports Department. Gain access to the tools, projections, and analysis trusted by the best for League of Legends and Counter-Strike Global Offensive. Join today at theesportsdepartment.com. Welcome to episode 87 of the Gold Card Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Vince Colotti, at Gelati LOL on Twitter. With me tonight, we've got the full crew. We've got Josh Roberts at Roberts number 49. Good evening, y'all. Chris Chung at Prime LOL is joining us. Hello, everyone. And John George at the Esports Plug. How are we doing, everybody? All right, so we already recorded our LPL uh, preview. It was very long because there were a lot of teams and a lot of moves. Today we're moving on to the LEC. Uh, the LEC is slated to start on January uh, sometime later in what was it? They, I think it's this, the week after the LCS lock-in. So I think it's the 22nd of January. I'm pretty sure. Um, we just wanted to get ahead of, the, ahead of the curve on these things. I'm probably going to end up releasing this next week. So none of this matters to the people listening to it a week from now. But uh, real quick, we are going to go over each team. We put together a composite ranking system as well as tiers for each one of us, and we'll be discussing those momentarily. Uh, the composite ranking is basically the ranking of the four of us, averaged, and that's going to be our quote-unquote podcast rankings for each of these teams. Uh, we have a fun little thought experiment about um, futures and learning how to bet in the futures markets if you're going to do it for the end of, uh, toward the end of the show. But before we dive into everything, I figured we'd do just a brief overview of the tier list, and then any any of you that want to make amendments to it for your personal you know, taste or whatever, feel free to, to chime in on it. So I tend to do tiers relative to the league. Uh, I, I, it's totally reasonable to do tiers relative to international like overall play, like maybe your S-tier teams are, are, are your world championship contending teams. But for the sake of this show... We're going to do tiers relative to the LEC, uh, because there are some people that just want to follow one league or two leagues. So, S tier are going to be your tournament contenders. Uh, they're usually like they're usually their floor situations are like playoff teams still, but the vast majority of their outcomes are going to have them you know in the top four, top two, or uh, and and most of the time they're going to be likely winning the chance or going to be in the conversation for winning the whole thing. Uh, then we have A tier. The A tier is playoff caliber teams. And, you know, a lot of these teams are, you know, they've got some questions, but might need just one or two things to go their way before they can get elevated up a tier, you know, up to that S tier and be in consideration for a championship. Then we have B tier, which are, you know, outside looking in on the playoffs, maybe maybe one or two of the bottom playoff teams uh, if they catch the right things. But these are teams that need multiple things to go right or that have a lot of questions that need to be answered in terms of roster construction, in terms of unknowns regarding players, uh, new players, stuff like that. C tier is teams that are almost definitely not making the playoffs and have even more questions or need more things to go right. Uh, this could be in regards to the whole league or the team itself. And then anything that's D or worse, are like your exce- they're, they're your exceptionally bad teams. And uh, I don't 
know if we're going to have any in Europe. I know we had a couple in the LPL last year, not this. Uh, we probably should have put what's it called in that. I think Chris did a couple of the uh, LPL teams. But I'd encourage you to go check out our LPL preview show, which is already out uh, on this feed or wherever you're checking it out. So I uh, encourage you all to listen to that. Uh, any uh, amendments or or personal changes for your uh interpretation of these tiers or is that uh, just about right for you guys I think that that's about where where my guys are at all right I think uh, the reason the reason we tend to use tiers is because you know obviously picking and choosing you know one two three four five like an exact there or something like that is not always that relevant for our purposes uh, we're more about grouping teams by you know, these are the teams that we should expect this range of outcomes for. This is these are the teams that we should expect a high you know results for, regardless of whatever order it happens in or how it ends up going down. Uh, we'll discuss those with more granularity as we get into each individual team, and that's why we are here to do that. So, without further ado, let's uh, open up with our consensus tenth place team here for the Gold Card Podcast LEC preview show. The consensus number ten. It wasn't unanimous. We have one. We have one holdout. But SK Gaming, uh, with a composite score of nine point seven five, they are our tenth ranked team. I guess John. John was the one person that had them uh, not tenth place. Uh, do you want to, you know, go over why yeah. why you think that, and then maybe introduce the roster as well. Okay. Uh, for SK Gaming, they're going to play Gen X in the top lane, Tinks in the jungle, Blue in the mid lane, Jezu AD carry with treats at support. Um, the reason that I don't have them 10th, I mean, like you said, I don't think we have any exceptionally bad teams, really, in the LEC. I think, uh, you, I could make an, I could make an argument in my mind that SK was as high as like seventh, maybe sixth or seventh, maybe. I think there's like kind of a little clustery down at the bottom of the LEC. Uh, I think that if this situation is right, this team could go a little higher. I mean, if it's the right kind of meta, I think Tinks is an exceptional jungler in the right kind of meta. This is, as far as we're aware right now, it's the right meta because the same junglers that he's good at have been played in Demacia Cup and Kespa Cup and things like that. So if it's his kind of meta, I actually really like Gen X. I'm higher on Gen X than a lot of you guys are. So Gen X and Tinks is a really strong top jungle for me. Uh, the bottom entire portion of the map's not great. Uh, it's not horrible, I don't think. I mean, some younger guys, but it, it's not great. For me, if I'm SK, I'm playing through top lane, uh, and and we'll see what kind of success they can get with that and, and an aggressive jungler that can get ahead. Um, so I, I think the team has some potential if things go right for them. I don't think they're... Uh, it, in any sort of contention to win the split, but I think you could see them be as high as like a sixth or seventh place team if things went right for them. Yeah, I, th- I think SK Gaming are kind of the allure of the unknown a bit, uh, and, and sometimes that's powerful. Like if these guys just come in and it takes teams a while to figure out if they have like a really set strong identity and it takes other teams a while to pick up on it, they start hot and all of a sudden you know they have a good enough record to you know they only need to win like three games in the second half or something to sneak into playoffs. And you could have that kind of situation going on with this team for sure. Uh, just to clarify, I mean, I don't know if Chris and Josh feel the same way. I know uh, Josh is going to have some very strong feelings regarding this. We'll get to you, but I really don't have a C tier for the LEC. Cause like I, 
even with even with the my bottom two teams, I think there's enough there that you know it wouldn't take that much going right for them to to exceed you know the bottom two spots. So I think like that that those like bottom four or five teams are going to be fairly competitive, even though they might be the bottom half of the league. It doesn't mean that they're bad teams or that they're going to you know not be competitive or anything. So I, I do think like that bottom four or five is going to be rather competitive. Chris, what do you think about SK? It's going to start, I think it'll have shared a little bit of similar thought with Josh. The loss of crown shot is huge for this team. And overall, top to bottom, this is a fairly young, is it young? I don't know, but fairly new roster to the big stage. And uh, I, I like, but did not love the full performance of Blue and Tinks in the current uh, EU Masters. I know Tinks has been a long time name for EU Masters, and he did much better than last year. Uh, so calling up this team is quite uh, an experiment. I'm excited for their future. I just don't... I I feel like they have the least lowest shot of even making playoffs. Josh? Crown shot stand extraordinaire. This team is drawing dead, and they have nothing going for them. Next question. Here's a, a question for you. If let's say you just replaced the 80 carry position and you made a crown shot, where's their, where are they sitting in the rankings? Hmm. Uh, so just because I don't really know if treats is better than limit. I mean, realistically, SK gaming wasn't better than like what, like sixth place at the end of last year. So you're maybe moving them up like seventh or eighth, depending. Um, but I don't like what they did in top mid. I don't think Gen X, I mean, I know you, you had strong feelings about Gen X. I didn't think Gen X was particularly that good. I thought that, uh, like, I actually thought that Trick would be a better jungler for the way that that team needed to play than Tinks will be, because I think that Tinks is playing more of a carry style, whereas Trick would be more of like a assist lane style, which is what Crownshot needed to get ahead. Um, but, I don't know. I don't feel like I could rate them even that highly, even with Crown Shot, just because I don't think that I like them keeping the top laner and then swapping the jungle. I, I kind of think you have to evaluate it as a different team if Crown Shot's there. So, like in some ways, they pivoted, right? Where you know because they don't have this like you know absolute superstar to build around. I mean, why would you ever let that go? But that's a different question, I guess. Uh, because they don't have that, they're taking a more just, you know, right now. This team looks like it's suited to play in the current metagame, which is, I think, a boost to them. Like, that's something to be optimistic about. Like, you know, mid and 80 carry tend to be role players. Like, they get they get resources, but they tend to be role players right now. Uh, that might change. And I think Tinks is kind of well-suited for the jungle pool that's being played right now. That could change. Uh, we mentioned it last uh, yesterday with uh, the Graves meta and him. We were talking about that as like a part of a separate conversation, but like that's the game right now, and I think Tinks is well suited for this. So t- to me, I'm not like, and, and regarding Gen X too, like I, I don't think he's bad. I just don't think he's particularly good either. I just think he's like fine, like he's right in the middle somewhere. But he had good comp. I mean, there was a lot of competition. Also, uh, optimistic for him is like that was his first season playing top lane, so. There's a chance we get that sophomore like because we know him 
and we've seen a lot from him, people forget that like the, you got to treat this almost like a sophomore season for him. And we know about like it's the opposite. Like the sophomores in League of Legends tend to get a, a bump uh, unless they were like ridiculous as rookies, and they tend to come back down to earth, right? So if he progresses and he's another year better and you know there's a couple top laners that left the league like yeah he could end up being like a top 3 or 4 top laner in the league if that if that ends up being the case so yeah to me that's like the ceiling case for this team like i could see like there's a outside chance to make playoffs i just have them last cuz i think they have the the lowest chance of making playoffs and that's all uh next up any 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 more comments on sk our SK, like, so SK, are, they're not going to be, this isn't a Jin Air situation. This isn't going to be a dumpster fire, I don't think. Cause I, and I do like the, the general approach of the rebuild. It was a little weird not retaining Crown Shot, but like going young is better than bringing in a bunch of has-beens. I think we all agree there. So, yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, next up, we had a tie at a composite score rank of 7.75. Uh, so it'll be 8th and ninth respectively. We'll go with uh, Misfits. Uh, I'll check Misfits out one second. I gotta say, I'm a little bit surprised to see you guys have Misfits. It's Astralis is the other team. And I'm yeah. a little bit surprised to see you guys have Misfits and Astralis as close as, you, as everybody has them. Like, to make the composite end up being tied like this. Yeah. I think there's actually like a pretty big gap between these two teams, personally. So, all right. Well, if that let, let's let, we'll go with Stralis let's talk first. About it. We'll go. We'll go. We'll go Astralis first, then, because uh, I think that's where the deviations. Like that's the bigger deviation. I think just looking through this real fast. Guess that's my fault. <laughs> My yeah, I, that yeah. I mean, Chris, Chris is very high on Astralis. Chris has Astralis yeah. at four, so you're you're the Astralis bull, Chris. Feel free yeah. to like you know what, make your case in. here. It's a, rather a more of a gut call. I've looked through the whole roster. White Knights and Zara are not uh, new or young to the scene. They've been in Masters for quite some time, and uh, I have to say that from the showing that they have, I was not as impressed by White Knight, and that's a huge downgrade. You go from Alfari to anything, it's a huge downgrade. Yes, this coming from the Alfari hater uh, on Twitter, but uh, White Knight is just solid, and we'll have to see how he fits in. But uh, Promise Q, I mean, people seem to love this uh, support that went from G2 to Mouse Esports in the Masters, and now back to the big stage. Uh, there was a lot of talks about him, but he looked good, I have to say, even though I was a big hater when he had to replace Mickey X. But he maybe he learned something. So I see the vision of Astralis. It's the old uh, origin kind of like mentality. And I didn't think they played as bad as they did last year for them to be feel like um, they they deserve whatever place they ended up. I feel like they had a plan, but maybe not the players to execute it. So bringing in these, just building around Nuke Duck uh, with veterans instead of youngsters, I, I think this team gives me that um, old men will prevail type of game, and they'll finish higher than what most people will think. I have them quite high, uh, and that may be a little bit of a too optimistic outlook. I have them fourth. So making playoffs deep into playoffs. Um, but again, this is more a gut call out of all the teams that I'm looking at. Um, and 
I'm optimistic. Yeah, I, they, I, think, they I, th- I think I'm kind of with you on there is some amount of veterancy here. Like, this isn't all new players, so it's not like a full young lineup. A lot of these guys have, have played before, and a lot of these guys haven't even been bad. Like, it'd be one thing if these were I, – I, that, I think that's the stigma around this team is that this is a bunch of washed veterans and, like, promise Q, right? I guess, like, Zanzara, too. But, like, Promise Q even is a veteran. This is going to be, what, his, like, fourth year in the scene? Like, he's been he's been around for a while. We've seen him in bits and pieces here. Like, the other thing is Nuke Duck, and I think people people are really down on Nuke Duck right now. And, you know, for whatever whatever you think of Nuke Duck, I think, I, I, I don't, I think it's fair to expect some amount of better performance than he had last year. He was pretty bad last year. I, I think it got overblown how bad he was. He wasn't feeding 07 every game like you you could see in the Twitterverse, but, like, he had a bad season. And this is a guy that's, like, quite literally never had a bad season. Like, the guy's been rock solid, super steady his entire career. And had a, like, maybe this is the end. Maybe this is the signal for the end. But I tend to think a player like that's going to bounce back. I'm not saying he's going to be the best mid laner in Europe or he's going to be like return to his glory days, but I don't think he's going to be as bad as he was last year. And I think there, there, something about this team felt like there was something going on behind the scenes too, or maybe it was just mounting frustration because they kept losing. Did any of you guys get that vibe from them in summer? Like particularly toward the end, I guess. Like they just felt frustrated. Like you watch their player cams after games and they were just, they were just always pissed off. Yeah, it definitely seemed like there was maybe something going on behind the scenes. My thing with Astralis, I have Astralis 10th in my list. Um, I think Astralis imported the worst people of every team in the league as far as like who they brought in for this season. I think they brought in the worst group of people. I think SK Gaming's like group of youngsters is better. I think the people Misfits brought in are better. Uh, like all the, all the teams that brought in people for this season, I think Astralis has brought in the worst. And then they brought in the worst players to surround Nuke Duck, who was already not very good at least as far as we're aware from having seen him play last season. Yeah. So they kept like one guy who's not very good and then brought in the worst uh, people as far as EU Masters players. Yeah. So I think Zenzara is probably the best player on the team. Uh, he's the only one that I'm like not sad about them bringing in. I thought White Knight was average We've seen at best. White Knight before. Yeah, he's, but in EU Masters just recently, I thought he was average at best for EU Masters and Jeskala I also was not impressed with the EU Masters. Promise Q has been fine, but I don't think he's going to be an excellent support at the LEC level. So I basically think they brought in like three guys who are between 7th and 10th at their position in the league, and then maybe one guy who's like top five, like low top fives. Doesn't it feel like so, they yeah, missed the boat on some free agents a little bit? I don't know if they were just trying to go cheap this season or uh, exactly what they were doing. But for me, this was a real big miss for Astralis. I think that's, that's what's weird about this is like, I, I I think that's totally reasonable. I'm just a little bit more optimistic that we see. Like, I I think this bot lane's fine. It's not exciting, but I think it's fine. Uh, Yeah. I don't know. I, I, you know what this reminds me of this? So I'm going to use like a hockey example here. Astralis looked like they upgraded a bunch of people from their a like their AHL affiliate squad 
instead of bringing in like major juniors, like or dr- like bring in like draft picks that they drafted last year that they're developing in like Canadian major juniors or something like that. So technically, it's like a lower level, but it's like the prospect league versus like this is minor league hockey, right? And Australis feel like they brought in like all minor leaguers instead of like actual prospects playing in like the prospect and developmental leagues. Yeah, it's kind of a weird. Like I know that's kind of a weird example, and if you don't know hockey, it's probably like lost on some people. But like, like White Knight, Jessica, and Promise Q are guys that were they've been on like a roster, like an NHL roster, but then they go back and forth between AHL and NHL or like AAA in baseball, where they're just going back and forth. Whereas like some of these other teams brought in prospects that they drafted and have been developing in the Dominican leagues or, or in single a or anything like that. And you just pump them up and give them a shot on the big stage instead of these guys where they're sort of known quantities. So yeah, I, the, I think, uh, I think it's just, I think it's a matter of bias against or for known quantities and the situation it's in. So I think like if, if you're not about that, I could see you being, I could see a being 10th place. So that makes total I was sense just, to me. Yeah. I was just going to say like Jessica and promise Q are from Mao's in U Masters, uh, that's the team that they played on there. Mm-hmm. And Mao's is the biggest underperforming team in the history of U Masters. Like yeah. every time they come in, everyone says they're going to win. They never even make the finals. And they have Leader, who is like literally a huge percentage of their wins is like Leader going 10 0 on Irelia and just running through the game. And even with that, they still always underperform every time. So I'm a little bit like very wary of anyone that comes from that team that's not Leader. So the thing with that team is that even leader makes it difficult to evaluate because there's games like because he's so linear. There's a reason we haven't seen him really. I, I think teams are a little too skittish, or I think they're a little too uh, not willing to take a risk on him. Like I think teams probably should have taken a shot on him like more than they have so far. But there's a reason a lot of teams haven't that he's like extremely linear. Like he's a yeah, he, he is what those, he is, but he's he's very those... good. But it just makes it difficult to evaluate some of the other players on his team because it's not a traditional shell that you're playing in when you're playing with it's, leader. It's one of those situations, though, where, like, he can have bad games, but, like, he definitely has bad games where he picks up the assassin and doesn't go off. But I cannot, like, ever remember a game where Mao's won and leader didn't go off. Like, if he's not yeah. if he's not doing it, the team's not ever doing it. Yeah. So it's either, like, he – it's it, – I just never see them be successful unless he's doing his thing. So I, I, the other players on the team, to me, that says these guys maybe aren't the best players if the only time they ever win is when their mid lane assassin goes 10-0, you know? Yeah. I, I will say, like, it, those the, – the reason I bring this up is because it makes players that come from teams like that a little bit more difficult to evaluate. It's it's kind of like uh, – I try to – Trying to think of like a real sports example. For me, it's just here, like, like if they had an average mid laner that didn't ever go off, then they just wouldn't even be in the playoffs in EU Masters because they yeah. never win any games unless that happens. Yeah, I guess that's that's reasonable. But I I think you could just as easily see a situation. I think in this situation, you're, what you've said is right. But I think there's a lot of teams like this that like it's real easy to look bad when you're playing 4v5 because the assassin didn't pop off. There's a reason you don't see assassins a lot in profession at the highest levels of play. There's there's a reason you don't see them because that's exactly why the game the games that they don't pop off you you basically just auto lose, and it's it's really hard and that's why you don't see Zed every game or or you know that's why you don't I mean you see LeBlanc a lot but LeBlanc's more flexible than a lot of those champions are. You're not seeing Zed. You're not seeing Talon. You're not seeing uh, Fizz right because these are very feast or famine champions that if things go south it like 
at all. Like even remote, like it's a very, very thin, you know, you're, you're on thin ice. Right. So it's, I, I just think it may, it's, it's worth mentioning because it makes the players on the, that come from those kind of teams difficult to evaluate. It, it reminds me a lot of, um, like you can look at like receivers in football on a team with like a running quarterback. Like uh, I, th- I think of like Baltimore's receivers, right? Some of them might be very good, but they're not going to have the production because Lamar is not throwing as much, right? Like Lamar Jackson's not going to be throwing the ball as much. They could be very good. Now football is a little different because it's a lot easier to isolate just them and watch their tape. Like they're all twenty-two and watch. You know, are they beating in on routes and they're just not getting the ball? Kind of situation. Uh, you can kind of do that to some extent in league, but it's not quite as detailed, and it's not as like isolated. But uh, yeah, that's kind of an interesting conversation. I'm getting us off off on a tangent here, but um, I, I think it's worth considering because I, I, that's that's I think a good a good something to be aware of with Jessica and Promise Q for sure. Uh, so yeah, we Astralis and then tied with Astralis, we had Vitality. Uh, oh wait, no, we had Misfits. Sorry, I was reading Josh's thing. Um, we had Misfits. So, Misfits, a little bit of a different look. Uh, misfits are bringing in... Uh, so, they have Agresivo and Hirit in the top lane. Uh, Resork, Bethéo, Kabe, and then Denik and Vander at support. Um, unless I'm wrong about that. Uh, I know one of them... I think they're both under contract still, but Vander's might have expired and they just didn't take it off the page yet. But yeah, I, don't, I, I don't. Go ahead, Chris. Vander was on Rogue last split, so why Vander would they have Misfits? Oh yeah, I'm, maybe it was Denik then. I don't know. Um, yeah, anyway, Denik. Let's assume they're both on the roster because I haven't heard anything otherwise. So, uh, this is kind of a different look. You've got you've got three veterans, good like uh, good veterans. I think um, some better than others. I think Resorks Resorks really really good. And then you're bringing in rookie solo lanes, or not, not rookie solo lanes, but fresh solo lanes. So a um, little bit of a different look here. Uh, what do we th- what do we think about misfits? Um, I'm a little bit worried about Agresivo. I was never super impressed with Agresivo, but I think Vitheo is going to slot in pretty well. Um, I'm I'm pretty high on Vitheo, and they kept the th- the right three people in my opinion. I agree. If they're going to play Vander, I'm a little bothered. I'm not sure. Why, why they would want to play Vander over Denik. Um, but I think keeping Kabe is the right thing to do. I think Razork was probably their best player and probably will be their best player. And then, yeah, I think Viteo is a, a high-ceiling young mid laner, so I'm happy to see that. And I don't think Agresivo is going to fall on his face. I think he's better than White Knight, I think. Uh, somebody that can hold his own in the top lane. So I don't think the team's going to be contending, but I think there's it's a good rebuilding phase for them. A rebuild that I like as opposed to the Astralis rebuild that I didn't like. This is going to be like the one where they like phase out the bottom lane next split or next year, probably, right? Yeah, or, or, or yeah, they might look somewhere else in the top lane or they might phase out somebody from the bottom lane if, if they see that only one of Kabe and Denik is playing well or something like that. So, yeah, I, th- I think this is a reasonable step in the rebuild, but it's not going to be one that's going to make them a, a playoff team, I don't think. Did you? I'm, I think I'm. Did you guys say you think Denik's going to play over Vander? I think I, they're going to play Vander, but I'm not happy about it. I legitimately don't know. Like, uh, I would much rather play Denik than Vander personally. I don't think there's that big of a difference between the two. Rogue had a massive overperformance last season, and they still didn't keep Vander. Like I, I, I just really, I'm not a fan of Vander in general. So I don't Vander, know. 
Yeah, no, Vander is just solid, not anything spectacular. I don't I haven't seen any like huge games that because of Vander, maybe one that I'll remember, and that he's been on that team for two seasons, two seasons, I believe. Uh was he the I think he was a caster turn or coach turn player? Yeah. He's, been around, he's been around for a long time. He's, he's done a little bit of everything. He might present a veteran's presence and more so a coaching value rather than an actual support value. Yeah, I, I guess the question with these two supports is like, are there academy players that are better than either of them? Because I, as, as while I might not be higher on either of them, I think they're both good enough to like. They're probably like that that barrier. Like they're the gatekeepers to like, are you a starter in the LEC? I think they're like in that ballpark. Maybe a little higher than that. I mean, yeah, I don't know. That that's where I'm at with them. Like, I I I think they're they're good. They're good players. They're not maybe not great, but they're definitely good. Yeah, I, I don't know. I I actually like Misfits. I think they have a much higher ceiling than you guys are giving them. Uh, personally, I think Vander was like a top three support pretty clearly last split. So uh, I'm not really sure, and I don't think Denik. Did Denik play? Denik may not have played. Uh, I don't remember if he was playing or or they, not. They had they, they had Goss Goss slaying and then swapping off the deck. Yeah, they they were going back yeah. and forth a little bit. So I didn't. Yeah. Like so yeah, I I just I don't know. I think uh, it's I, I like the makeup of the team. Like you have the veteran bot lane. Vander's definitely a shot caller from what I've heard yeah. in team comp things of that nature. Um, playing with Kabe, who you know we heard from his time at TSM. He's pretty quiet and reserved. Um, and then they have, like like you guys said, a younger top side for the most part. Uh, I definitely like the team makeup. I think they definitely have a, a decently high ceiling, in my opinion, based on how that top side meshes together. Because um, I do think, I mean, we're, we're what? One year removed from Kabe being what we all consider to be probably top three or top four ADC in, in EU. Yeah. Um, and, you know, all I did last year was go to the TSM dumpster, dumpster fire and then come to Misfits and they, you know, just kind of under, I don't even know if they really underperformed, but they, they, they weren't good. So it's like we kind of are a little bit, I think, forgetting how good he was, you know, not too long ago. Um, cause, you know, going into last year's spring, we definitely thought he was going to be a major, uh, a good addition for TSM to make them better. Yeah, that's, that's a, that's a good point that I maybe didn't consider. Cause like if you consider that, Went to TSM. That didn't work out. COVID's happening. He's stuck. He can't do anything. He can't immediately go back. He goes back, tries finding a job, and it took him a little while. I mean, he did get a gig. But this is a guy that, like, was basically halfway around the world in six months with all this COVID stuff going on and with, you know, had more or less two shitty situations, right? So... There's a chance we see him return to return to form, and you know we always talk about like even even good AD, unless they're like a particularly great AD carry, it's extremely difficult to stand out on a bad team. As, at yeah, that and it's I think a lot of bot lane too is defined by the support. So getting a big upgraded support over either one of those guys, in my opinion, in Vander, yeah, I think will be uh, good for them. But again, I mean, this is a very very strong league, so. I have them powering ranked, I think, seventh. I just think that they have a, a decently high ceiling. I wouldn't be surprised if they somehow snuck into, you know, the top four or five somehow. Yeah, I mean, I have them at nine, so, like, I, I tried to differentiate a little bit. Like, I have – let me 
mean, we're gonna get to it, but I have Excel and Astralis like as like your B like your your B or B plus. I would call them honestly more like I would call Excel B plus, Astralis regular B, and Misfits like and SK like your B minus. I don't think any of these teams are bad. I don't think it's unreasonable for any of them to make the playoffs or anything like that. It's just kind of like I'm trying to be more granular about it. So I have them lower than you. I don't think they're that bad, really. So, um, yeah, and also like it, it doesn't take that much for this team to actually be good, which is like textbook B to me, right? Like if Atheo ends up just being really, really good, and we've seen a lot of these developmental mid laners in Europe just be absolute studs. We're gonna get to one of my favorites in a little bit, but if he just comes in and he's good. It it almost doesn't matter if Agressivo or Hirid are even that good if they're just like okay, and all of a sudden this team looks like they're you know fourth, fifth, sixth instead of bottom of the table. So, yeah, I, I think take with a grain of salt. I, I mean, honestly, now we're all in B tier. I don't think we're uh, any of us are that low on any of these teams really, even though we had to rank them. Like this is more just like it's tough to justify why they'd go higher for me. But. I think that I mean that's I think it's totally reasonable uh, the points you make there too. So anything else? Yeah, nobody had them, nobody had them higher than seventh or lower than ninth. So we really all kind of even though we see different things, we all generally kind of agree where they belonged in there. Yeah, and yeah, again, like th- this outside of like I mean, Chris, you're particularly down on SK. Josh, I don't know, I don't know like where you have SK in terms of like a tier. Are they like in a C tier for you? Yeah, I don't. I have SK in their own tier. I think they're the least likely team to 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 get into the playoffs by far. Oh, so by far. All right, so you do have them in. Like, so you're with Chris. You have them in like a C tier, right? Yeah, I I just I don't know. I kind of think Tinks gets overrated from a bit of a small sample, perfect meta uh, situation, and it was like on the biggest stage, and obviously he was dom- dominating, but. It was like a perfect confluence for him because it was like the boom was happening. The major leagues were on break. Graves became meta. And then he went like 15 and 0 and won a bunch of DFS players a ton of money. So at least in, in our like circle, it seems like he gets hyped, hyped very highly. And I know even veteran thinks of him very highly. So maybe oh, he is really oh. good and I just have the wrong. Also on Tinks, uh, actually his last EU Masters was his worst EU Masters. He was significantly better than two EU Masters he was, before that one. He was one. good in like so January, it's not a, was it? Yeah, it's not just a, just a one meta thing because he was way better the last two. The last three he's been great, but he was better the two before that than he was the last one. So he's definitely at least capable of playing in a few different kinds of metas. Yeah, so... Uh, where are we next? I got lost. Um, so that was... Misfits and Astralis. Next up, we've got uh, Schalke at 6.75. They would be our consensus seven here. So I think I'm the highest on Schalke, right? Five. Uh, Like, it's not that far apart, I guess. Chris has them at nine. But uh, so Schalke are – where did I put you? There it is. Um. They bring in Broken Blade, and then other than that, they're just running it back again. With uh, Gilius, Abadaga, Neon, and Limit. L- Limit's new from SK. Oh, yeah, Limit came from SK. Sorry, I was crossed up. So they bring in Broken Blade and Limit. They keep the uh, Gilius, Abadaga, Neon. Uh, and I don't think Forgiven's on contract anymore. It's just worth <laughs> Well, that has to knock him down. <laughs> let me, let me, re, let me re, ruin, re put him out of here. 
Um, so, Shocker are a really weird team to evaluate, right? Because like my, my initial take on them was, <sighs> we talked about it all summer, all summer long. We're like, especially the second half, we're like fade. There's going to be a fade moment. There's going to be an awesome fade moment. We all jumped on it. We all made a boatload of money when Mad Lions beat the shit out of them, essentially. And it's weird that when you get that kind of confirmation bias, like clearly they weren't as good as they were playing. I think that's obvious, right? But I think it's dangerous because it's, I think it's really easy to go too far in the other direction too, right? Like ultimately these guys were playing really, really well. And I don't want to take that away from them. They just weren't playing like win the LEC well. Like I don't like they, they weren't that good. So they were being hyped up like that was going to happen but they were still playing good League of Legends. Took a little bit of luck in there to go on a run like that, but they were still playing good League of Legends, and the individual players were playing very, very well. Um, I, I don't. Gilius was pretty real to me. He was playing out of his mind. Now, how much of this do we think is like repeatable, or like how much do we do we think Shocker regress from what they were at? The big, I don't necessarily even view this team the same way I viewed the last team. This team actually, for me, the big question is just around the two people that they brought in to decide how good this team's going to yeah. be. Both of these players have the same issue as far as I'm concerned, which is like, was Limit carrying Crown Shot or was Crown Shot carrying Limit or neither? So for Limit, and then for Broken Blade... Was Bjergsen and them carrying Broken Blade, or was Broken Blade pulling his weight? Like it's kind of like a similar thing to me. Yeah. There's a there's some chance that both Limit and Broken Blade look terrible on this team. There's some chance they both turn into superstars on this team, or look like superstars on this team. Yeah. And for me, that's the difference maker because I think Abadage, Gilius, and Neon is is not a super strong core. I think it's like a bottom four core in the league probably, and it's going to be up to whether Broken Blade and, and Limit are good or terrible or somewhere in between additions to decide how good this team is. Because Odawamne, I'm not a I'm not a huge Odawamne fan as far as like an individual player. I know I think other people are higher on him than me, but I do think he brings a team together. I think mm-hmm. he plays team fighting champions and he's very good at being there for the team fight, sacrificing himself to teleport in and make sure he's involving himself in the team fight. I think that's a big strength of what he does. And so when you switch from when you switch him out, I think you're going to lose some team cohesiveness, some team fighting ability for your for your squad. So I don't know. I think this team has some ceiling, but for me, I think they're probably just going to end up another like bottom four-ish team would be my guess. I think I'm a little bit more optimistic on on the core three, especially Gilius and Abadaga. But like for me, for me, Shalka are that range of outcomes team. I think we talked about LNG in the LPL as, like, the wide range of outcomes team, like, I could literally see them being, like, 5th or 15th, you know, something like that. To me, I, I that's Schalke to me. Because if if they end, if, like, if, if what if that was just real? Like, what if they were actually just that good? Like, that wasn't good enough to necessarily win the split. Like, I don't think that was ever, I and mean, people were entertaining that with the Miracle Run and getting all hyped up and everything. I don't think that was ever really a thing that was going to happen. But if this seems, like, that good, then they were, like, a top-four team. I think you're right about the range of outcomes. So, I definitely think Schalke has ceiling. 
Uh, I don't know if winning the league is in that ceiling, but I, I think that Schalke has ceiling for sure, more ceiling than the other teams we've talked about. Yeah, so I, I think that's why I was so high on them. And, I mean, the thing with Abadaga is that we've seen up-season, down-season, up-season, down-season, so maybe it's time for a down-season again. But uh, I mean, when that kid, when he's on, he's on. So I, they're kind of a tricky team because I, I do think they had a little bit of LGDisms going on, or w, not LGD, uh, WE going on, where teams just kind of spoon-fed them a lot of stuff. But they were doing a lot of things, and unlike WE, they were actually forcing errors a lot of the time. So, yeah, they got fed some stuff, but they were engineering their own advantages too, which is something I I keep an eye on when I'm looking for like overall team play. That's like a very that's a hallmark of a good team to me. So, um, because if you can't do that, you're capped. Like you can only be so good. So. Even if you look kind of bad doing it sometimes, like if you if you're not taking that step and trying to start doing that, then you're only ever going to be so good. So, yeah. Um, Josh, what do you think on Schalke? I think that Gillies is going to regress negatively, or uh, I guess negatively, but he's just going to regress backwards for me. I do think Abadaga is good. I don't think their bot lane is very good uh, in Neon. I think it'll be interesting to see. I, the other two is like kind of what John said. I think it's going to be interesting. I do think Limit's probably pretty good. I think um, Limit's good, yeah. Yeah, I mean, for as much as I, I talk about Crown Shot, like at the end of the day, regardless of how good you are as an AD carry, you can't be that great if you're not on the same page, at least with your uh, support. So I think he has to have some sort of baseline level and, and good understanding of like laning mechanics and things of that nature. Um, because you know, Crownshaw was consistently winning his lane. So it's going to be, I think it's going to be interesting if Limit can take what, like, I don't know, like if he can adapt that to another player that may not be as aggressive or whatever it may be. Yeah. Um, that's kind of the question with these bot lane things. And then in terms of Broken Blood, I think he'll be fine. Um, I thought he was good in NA. I think he'll be good in EU. I think he uh, is just going to be fine. I, I mean, Odo on the played a different style, like John mentioned, but Broken Blade gives them a little bit more of the ability to play through that top trio, which I think is what they want to do at their core. Um, And they want to do that with allowing both lanes to be able to carry. Um, And definitely think that, like you said, when Abadag is on, he can can play. So I think this team definitely has some ceiling to him. I put him at six just because I do think they have a little bit of a lower floor based on how good, like which Gillis we get, and then how does that bot end up meshing together. Chris, what do you think about SK? Or, yeah, Shaka, not SK. Shaka. Yes, I have him just as low, I think, in the same range as John, because the Gilius thing is the key here, right? Uh, I don't, I'm not a believer that he sustained the success that he saw. He's very hot or cold player, and we saw that in his time with Vitality as well. He's been replaced several times for good reason, and that is if he's not on point, the whole team collapses around him. Abadagi is not carrying this team. Neon is not carrying this team. Broken Blade and Limit are good, but we wouldn't even consider them like top tier in the LEC. So what does that leave you? You have to play through Gilius, and if he is not on his game, uh, this team is not going to go too far. Yeah, I, I think this this range of rankings, uh, like Chris, you had them nine. I think I was the highest at five. Is pretty indicative. I, I almost wanted to put them higher than this, but. Uh, like this range of outcomes is pretty, I think, uh, indicative of 
what we just said. Like, this team could be very, very good or very, very bad, or they could just be good on one day and bad on another day. So, a little bit like – they got a little Rogue Warriors to them, don't they? A little bit. I think, like, compared to the league, I think the level of players is significantly higher than Rogue Warriors compared to, like, relative to the leagues that they're in. But (laughs) they do have a little bit of that to them because I guess, like, the Gilius Harrow comparison is a little – it's a little there. I, I don't know. I I don't think he's quite that all in on that kind of stuff like Haru is. But yeah, they're going to be an interesting team to see. I I kind of hope that they're just good so that we have some competition here, like some competition for the top teams, not just for the middle of the table. Um. Next up, we have Vitality coming in at six. So this one looks like it's going to be a little bit polarizing. So I I have Vitality. At four, John has them at six. Yeah. Uh, Josh has them at eight, and Chris has them at seven. So I guess not that much, but I'm pretty high on them. I had them at four. Uh, Vitality are essentially running it back uh, with a new top laner. So it's the same bottom four and then a new top laner. Go ahead. I was just saying, do you guys ever have, like, uh, you know, with all this news coming in from all the different leagues, do you ever, like, feel like you just completely missed something? Yeah. When I was when I was looking through the rosters, I was like, I forgot they don't have Cablishard anymore. Which genius team picked up Cablishard? I forgot which genius team that was smarter than everyone else picked up Cablishard. And I just fucking look him up and he doesn't have a team. Like, what? How did I miss that Cablishard just didn't get signed by anybody? I knew earlier in the season they were talking about, like, you know, free agent team would be good and Cabochard was on there. But how did nobody end up picking up Cabochard at the end of all this? Yeah, that's weird. Uh, again, like a behind-the-scenes thing, maybe he just wanted to take a split off and he's just not being public about it. I, I, I mean, I don't know. It, I'm with you. That's weird. Because he's, the like, kind of still good. <laughs> yeah, is this the kind of situation we were talking about, like, with Crown Shot, where it's like – the elite teams already have chosen who they want and the non-elite teams don't want to pay for like a really elite top laner if they don't think they have a chance to win. So or he doesn't want to shell out or, or he doesn't want to play for a team like that. That's, that's bizarre. I totally forgot this. I totally forgot that he was just not signed. Yeah. Like I don't, I would be trying to pick him up if I was vitality. Astralis, <laughs> Astralis, Shulka, vitality, XL, <laughs> I was just like going Half down the, the list. Teams in North America, Rogue, SK, pretty much anybody on, in the league, I would be trying to pick them up. Uh, yeah. Uh, so they bring in Zagenda from um, a Go Rogue. Uh, you guys have watched a lot more U Masters than me. What's the what's the what's the the quick the TLDR on him? He's a good pickup. He's a, he's a very good player. Everybody on a Go Rogue is was very good. Um, it's a, it's a smart pickup. Although I mean, I still think Cabochard's better, yeah. but Zagenda is a, a very good player. So. This team's really weird to me. Uh, did anybody else think that they were actually pretty good by the end of the season? We talked a lot about that during the summer, how like they didn't get a lot of wins toward the end of the season, but they played in a lot of really competitive games against good teams. And you know they were on the losing side of those, but like they were competitive against good teams, and this was clearly a team that once Melissa was able to come in and play and they actually got a couple weeks in, they looked like a completely different team. Once, the, once they got their lineup together, it took forever for that to happen. Once they got it together and they started playing, they looked like a completely different team. And, you know, yeah, they caught they caught some losses there, but I'm convinced that if this team was together for, like, the full split that they would have, you know, been challenging for a playoff spot. 
I think they would have been a lot like closer to 500 than they were. Um, I'm I'm very bullish on this team. I think I think the bottom three players are all very very good. I think Melitz is very very good. Uh, we're, looks like we're going to get Skeens full time again because we had kind of a jungle shuffle going on there as well. And then Zagenda's you know, very promising as a top lane talent. Like maybe not quite on the same level as Cabo, but like you know maybe a different look, maybe you know fresh blood or whatever. I, I like this Vitality team a lot. Plus, you have a whole lot of players coming into their sophomore seasons, which is, again, I've, I brought that theme up a lot, and it's not just law, but it is, like, something that tends to happen. So I tend to like teams where they stuck together. They didn't break up. They didn't, They didn't. you know, the players didn't go separate ways and all this. They stuck together. Um, they were good when the roster finally got together and, and, and were playing. We're going to get a full season, a full off season, and – Again, like all of these players are going to be a year better, so I'm very optimistic on Vitality. They remind me a lot of of WE last year, like WE this season, where like John, you were like really optimistic on WE. They, this team reminds me kind of like that, maybe not quite the stud level of players that WE's has, but kind of the same vibe where it's like they're growing. I could see this team hitting their stride all at the same. Like I could see these players hitting their prime at the same time. So it's a little bit of a leap of faith. But I'm very optimistic about Vitality. Yeah, uh, I think I would agree with you. Those games that they lost towards the end of summer were very competitive. A team that looks like they finally gel. So I'm very happy that they kept the most of the team together. Duke is a very good coach. He may have a bit of an old school style, but I think he's gelling into the new meta. For the most part, you can track that this team got suddenly better once they got rid of a certain support. Um, <laughs> and then... You can see the skyrocketing, and you know, no, uh, they don't have to follow this guy's shot calling anymore. And this team is it's coming together. Youth, I want them higher. I really did want them higher in my ranking, but they have to show me that they are carrying those um, what they did in last summer over to this year. Josh, what do you think about Vitality? I think you're. Uh, I think you're taking away a bad team's best player. So, like, I I just am not that optimistic. I don't think Shigenda is better than Cabochard. And I don't, like, I don't know. I don't know. I just I, I just don't think that that's even really that close in my mind. Uh, regardless of how good Shigenda may have looked in EU Masters, I think Cabochard was arguably the second best top player in, in EU. Um, and he was just always on a really bad team. So for me, that's just like such a massive, massive downgrade. And with that, it was also a, a big veteran presence. So I just don't know. Like he he was always like a rock for them. Like he would never be the reason they lost a the game. And he may not have ever really been the reason they won the game just because he was always playing picks that were like Scion, Orn, these types of, of kind of weak side. I'm just going to do what I can. Uh, champions, but... I think that's a massive, massive loss for this team. So it's hard for me to really think they're just going to massively take a step forward. Um, I definitely, I definitely see all the points you're making about it being a second year jump for a lot of these players. Um, but to me, I just think that the, the loss of your best player overweighs that, in my opinion. Yeah. I think that's um, a reasonable argument for sure. Was, yeah. I just think he was very, very crucial to this team. And it is wild, wild that he's not, not on the squad right now. I'm like, funny enough, I'm like exactly 50 50. Josh and Gelati's thought processes. Like, I think the, the four people that they have left, I love Gelati's thought process on that. I think they stuck together. 
They'll probably all get better this season. They're all going into their sophomore seasons. I like all of that. For me, that moves them up from where they were last season. But then I also agree that even though I think Jagenda is very good, I don't think he's any replacement for Cabochard. So then that moves them back down. And I pretty much put them the same place that I would have put them last season. It's just like they move up from getting better in the four spots and they move down from getting worse off of Cabochard. And they kind of probably, for me, end up about where they were last season, maybe with some ceiling. Yeah. Coincidentally, you also split the difference exactly between me and Josh. I had him at four, he had him at eight, you're, you have him at six. So I, that's kind of fitting, isn't it? Um, One other thing I just want to mention is, like, I don't know how you guys feel about Skeens, but he seemed to, like, be unimpressive to me a lot last year. And I know we talk about jungle and mid all the time, and it's probably, like, really repetitive, but it is a very important position, especially in the LEC when you have, like, really, really strong junglers on these top teams. So... If he takes, I mean, if he takes a massive step forward, that that could definitely unlock a lot of ceiling for this team. Yeah, I, I think there was a reason you saw NG as much as you did. Like, the, the whole thing with this team is that it it makes some of the stuff difficult to evaluate, and it wants me. It makes me want to be optimistic because these players were dealing with a lot of moving parts basically the entire time. They only played a handful of games as a full unit, so. I'm, I'm counting like the bottom four for the sake of you know this new team because obviously Cabo's not there anymore. But um, yeah, like to me that like they can't they can't like they can only be better. And maybe I'm a little bit too high on them, but that that's kind of where I'm at for it. But yeah, I, I think that's a reasonable criticism of Skeens. A uh, little bit of uh, I mean, he plays set and Lee Sin was who most played. That's very on brand for him. Uh, almost like a Ning or or Yankos even. So he's going to have to develop, but it's not like he hasn't played Graves and Volley and all these other different things. Like he's played these champions before. He just prefers to be on a playmaker. Might be interesting to see, like if they're good, if he does, if he feels like he doesn't need to be doing that stuff as much. Maybe that was a little bit of like bad team syndrome trying to make a name for myself, and he grows into it. But we'll see. Uh, next up, we have Excel at five, uh, con- a composite of five point five, and our consensus rank of five. So. I had Excel at seven. Let's see. John has them at four. You're the most bullish by a bit here. Josh at five and Chris at six. So I'll let John take the floor on this one. Uh, you want to introduce the lineup? Yeah, Excel's going to run Cries, Patrick, and Torre uh, from last year. And then they've changed up their mid jungle to Dan in the jungle and Checo Lad in the mid lane. Um, I, I I think they kept the right parts. The three parts that they kept, I think, were by far the best three parts on this team. And I think this team had a lot of upside last season. Dan is a bit of a question mark for me. I've seen him a little bit, and he was fine, but not super exciting. But Chekalad is one of the few people from EU Masters that I think has the ability to come in and be a stud in the LEC right away. Like I think Chekalad is. Che- I think Chekalad is very good. I think he's better than Leader. Um, I think he's a very very good player, and so. They kept their three best parts that I was already kind of excited about. Added what I think, who I think will be a stud, and then Dan. It's as long as he's not a complete failure, I think this team has a lot of upside. Like as long as he's at least a league average jungler, um, I think they're going to have advantages against a lot of teams uh, in the bot lane and in the mid lane. And honestly, even Cries is, is very good. But the, the, actually, the LEC, especially towards the top, has gotten to be a pretty great. Uh, league as far as top laners go. There's some really good top laners in the LEC, but 
I think uh, Cries will be able to hold his own at least there too. They're also a little bit more of a variant team because the way that Cries plays, he's one of the few like really carry top laners that can really play a lot of the carry top laners, both scaling and early game carry. So I, I think they're they're versatile. They got young guys, potentially a new stud in the mid lane. I'm, I'm pretty high on Excel. Is Chekalod the best prospect from EU Masters, like any position? Like who's better, you think? Um, Chekalad and Tinks are pretty close. Um, both of the El Elioya is also a very, very good prospect. Those are the top three that got brought into the league, I think, are, are probably those three. I'm trying to see if there's anybody that I'm forgetting. But, uh, yeah, those those would definitely be my top yes. three. So the case in point being, like, I mean, Chekalad, this is kind of like we were talking about in the LPL with, like, Insulator and Captain. Like, these guys were, like, the cream of the crop in the developmental leagues. And in Europe, you pay attention to that because there's a lot of, like, actual competition. And these guys go through a system and everything. So... Chekalod's been around for a while. Like this is his opportunity. He hasn't really. Uh, I mean, he's been kicking around the the master scene for a little while now, and he's been good basically the whole time. So I'm actually looking forward to seeing him. And uh, yeah, I, I I think Excel. I put them in like in a B plus tier because I think that their ceiling range of outcomes is very high because Patrick and Torre or they were one of the better bottom lanes in the league last year. Like overall, like combined, I thought they were very very good and. You know, Young Buck, we consider a pretty good coach. So, yeah, I I, I like this roster. Uh, who hasn't uh, – Josh, Excel? Yeah, I think this roster is very, very well balanced. Um, I think they're pretty good at every single position. Like John said, I think Kreis is pretty good. Uh, sorry, one second. I got to navigate. I can't remember the jungle off the top of my head. Dan. Placing Cajal, yeah. Dan is uh, – I thought he – I, I liked Fnatic Rising, so I thought he was pretty good. Um, I, it is hard to tell when you have someone like Magic Felix in the mid lane how yeah. good the jungler really is. That's who I'm forgetting, uh, by the way. Yeah, but I will say, like, Magic Felix still isn't in the LEC and Dan is. Yep. So maybe that means something. Um, maybe it doesn't. Who knows? But I, I do I'm, – I'm optimistic there. Um, I didn't think Cajal was – as good as he was made out to be just because I think he was such so good on the caster desk that I think people got a little bit enamored with him and were gassing his play up a little bit more than it needed to be. Um, I thought Echolad was very good in the Masters, and then I think Patrick and Torrey were very underrated bottom line. I think Patrick is uh, a sleeper agent for one of the best ADCs in the region, actually. I agree. He's very, very good. I think, good. you know, yeah, I think he would have been up there with, you know, crown shot ups, or, or I mean, I think he would have been up there with Crown Shot Reckless for, you know, one of the top tier ADCs, actually. Um, I think based on a lot of statistics, he was up he there. Gra- really. He graded, he graded better than Reckless for me. Uh, he, yeah, he graded he was, number he was, three to me, like from my, uh, okay. from my perspective, but yeah, good. Yeah. Yeah. I thought he was very good. So I think, I think this is a very good team all around. I think they're pretty strong. Uh, I think they have really good talent in their top trio with a more veteran bottom lane that's also who's very strong. So I definitely think this team is going to be a contender, um, and they could definitely make some noise. And this is from someone who generally hates on Excel teams because jo- I think John always overrates them. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, they're they're like one of those long shots you take because you can see the ceiling. Whereas with some of these other teams, it's like I I don't I don't quite see it. With this team, I can see that top range of outcomes. And I think it's like a, a it goes further in that direction. So if this was like a scale, I think like they could hit a ninety five out of a hundred. I could see that happening with this team. 
whereas with some of these other ones, I see like their cap is like maybe like eighty or something like that out of a hundred, just for perspective. Um, yeah, I like I have them seventh, but like I I like this team a lot. Chris, did you have thoughts on Excel? Uh, yeah, will be probably my last team to kind of break down, but. Uh, bringing in Dan Chekalad is really key for this team to take that step forward. Last year, I was high on them because of Young Buck, and while Sam. they underperformed record-wise, I think um, this is a a good sign, uh, particularly when they get to keep cries when Cowboy is out there. But this team is um, is making some interesting moves that I I. I'm hopeful for them, so I, I didn't really have them that much higher, right? Let's see, I have them in the eight tier. So, uh, fine, like them, think they have a good shot. Uh, I just need to see how these uh, Dan and Chocolat comes together. But uh, Tori is solid. Patrick is great. Um, nothing but upside for this team. You guys, you guys talked me into it. I moved them up a tier. <laughs> Honestly, yeah. I mean, the XL underperformed last year, just as a final note. They underperformed last year, but I think the the mid-jungle was a glaring weakness. Yeah. Like, I, I think Cajol was actually pretty bad last season. I His, thought uh, they were going to be, like, okay. Because I thought, like, those – like, I, I thought the combination of those two would be okay, but I'm with you. Like, they, they were not good. He's become arguably the best caster, like well, among the best casters in the LEC. But I, I think he had a really abysmal season as a player last year, and mid jungle was clearly their weakness. And so replacing them with a stud and a half in the in the mid jungle, I think, is just huge for them. Yeah. Also, Young Bucks. I didn't think about this, but Young Buck probably had some experience working with Dan from when he was with Fnatic, like at least like being around him and familiar. Mm-hmm. Because he's been on Fnatic Rising for like two years now or something, right? I, I, he's been around for a while. He might have been on Yeah, that could be a bad thing too, though. I'm always <laughs> yeah. a little hesitant when somebody brings in somebody they've played with before because you never know if it's yeah. just like a I mean, pseudo-buddy situation. I mean, Young Buck was always like the, the – he was Fnatic. He was with like the main roster, but like I guess just like that – Knowing maybe, each other. Maybe, maybe, some, maybe, maybe, maybe he's gotten to see him scrim and, and – Maybe they've played matches together, and he res- like thinks he's good or something like that. Like, there's something to that, I think. I well, Dan was Dan was on the main Fnatic roster for the summer split of uh, 2019. I do. Yeah, so, so they're they're familiar. Yeah, definitely coached him. Yeah. Uh, um. But yeah, Chris. Think, Chris has to, I think, jet yeah. out. But let's real quick just like give us your rundown for your top four because we're gonna sure we're gonna get into the top it. four. I don't think we're gonna vary like majorly. I think the only one you you guys are probably going to uh, see that why I have them lower is Matt Lyons. I I really think this team is going to need to refine their identity. Their mid bot jungle, uh, mid bot support is still their key, and so it's hopeful. I think they they probably. Uh, will make it back to playoff if things go well, but uh, their top is Elioya and Armut. So I, I really need to see how this comes together for them. Uh, Rogue, Fnatic, G2, those are my final top three, and I think they're solidly locked into the playoffs for at least the spring. Yeah, like, it, it, so you, it, it's a pretty clear, uh, so you don't really have that clear of a distinction. Between between them and John, John's varying from that too. So it's going to be a little little interesting uh, diving into this. Uh, any any parting thoughts on um, 
uh, anything you might like in terms of like a feature before you have to jet out? Oh, that's right. Um, <laughs> I don't think Australis is the worst team. So if you can throw in a quarter, a cent, ten cent, anything, you have a shot. As long as they make playoff, you have a shot. Uh, but yeah, don't don't take any of my advice. My my record, bless you, was crap. <laughs> All right, Chris has to jet out of here. Something came up. So uh, thanks for, for joining us, Chris. And we're going to go on to our next team, which was our consensus 4.5 composite, which makes it the fourth, Mad Lions. So I had Mad Lions in si- at six, but it was just in that A tier with that group of teams. Mad Lions are another, like Schalke, wide range of outcomes team to me. Where I, I like I could see this struggling to come together, and like they just are they get off to a sluggish start, and you know things don't click right away. But like that team had like in, it felt like they had like instant chemistry with that lineup last year, didn't it? Because they came in like bats out of hell, right? I don't know if we'll, it'll be that smooth. That said, the players they have are good players. I mean, people don't know a lot about Armut, but Armut's been on the international stage a number of times. Turkey is a competitive region. For the small regions, it's probably the best one besides, like, the PCS or former LMS. Uh, Turkey's has some really, really good players play there. There's at least a few – there's always, like, three or four teams that are very, very good. So it's not, like, just a top-heavy region where it's dominated by the top one or two teams, like like you see in the LCL, for instance. So there's enough teams that you're playing a, a, a dense enough schedule that you're actually getting good reps. And a lot of these teams scrim LEC teams as well. So – Turkey's good region. He's been maybe the best top laner in that league for a, a long time now, and multiple worlds appearances. So I actually expect Armut to come in and be good. I don't know how optimistic you guys are. Like I'm not saying he's going to be like the best top laner in the league or anything like that, but I'm treating him like he's just going to be like average, average top laner, like fourth to seventh top laner or something like that. I don't think he's going to be I, toward the bottom. I think they're getting an upgrade in the top lane. I do. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think Armut's an upgrade for them. Uh, he can do I, more I things think... than Arome can. I'll say that. Like Armut, <laughs> Armut plays everything. I think I would have kept Shadow. I don't know exactly what the what the thing was behind getting rid of Shadow, but I do think Elioya is a stud. Yeah. Um. So I I don't hate bringing in Elioya, but I think I would have kept Shadow. I'm not really sure what happened there. But in He's any case, I think they kept China, their... apparently. Yeah, that's what we've that's what we've been hearing. Um, I think they kept essentially their three best players, got an upgrade in one of their positions, and then got a side grade in the jungle, a, a somewhere-ish grade, somewhere slightly up, slightly down. Uh, I think this roster is going to be really good. Yeah. Um, I, I'll talk about something I have to say about them a little bit more when we talk about our percentages later. But yeah, I think this roster is going to be really good. I'm I'm pretty high on them. Josh, what do you think about Mad Lines? Uh, man, I just don't know. It's just so weird. The shadow thing just gives me pause. Like it, to me, it felt like they're just trying to blame something. And I don't like that approach generally. Yeah. Like, I think they had the pieces and just run it back, in my opinion. Again, we don't have the the ear to the ground to be able to know this stuff, right? And that's what sucks. Yeah. Because we don't know why this happened, but... To me, that's kind of what it felt like, right? Because he obviously was terrible at Worlds. He massively underperformed. I don't think he would say that differently. I don't think anyone would say that differently. 
but he was also an MVP candidate yeah. in the split going into Worlds, right? Like he was at some points the leading MVP candidate in the region. So it seems like you just get rid of a Rome, right? Like even if you're just trying yeah. to blame somebody, it seems like you just get rid of a Rome. That's what's so weird. Yeah, so it just throws me off, and and I just I don't know. I mean, I I, I understand El Yoyo is good at movie star. I just I just struggle to see that he would be able to come up and be anywhere near the level that we're going to say, oh wow, maybe he's in MVP contention, which is literally something we were saying about Shadow. And to me, that drop in the in arguably the most important position right now in the meta as we've last seen it is pretty tough for me to to grapple with. With that being said, they have extremely strong bottom side. Like you said, probably or an upgrade on the top side, as far as we know, uh, assuming there's no communication issues and or, um, you know, like pride issues, because we know the one thing we do know about Arome is he was willing to play weak side. He was willing yeah. to just say, beat the crap out of me and let human Odin Karzi get fed. He was very I'll good at it. it too. He was actually yeah, very, he was, very good at it. Yeah. So I am marginally concerned on that front that, you know, any other player won't want to do that because it sucks, you know? Yeah. Like, so, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I, I think that that's priced into me having them at fourth. Um, I certainly think they're a very good team. I think Humanoid is is uh, competing with, right now, with, with Caps and uh, Larson to to try and be at the top tier of mid laners in, in Europe, who's, you know, arguably the next big thing. And then I think Karzi's right up there with the top tier 80 carries as well. And Kaiser is probably the second best support in the region, yeah. uh, depending on how you feel about Hill is saying. So very, very good bottom side. And those two new ones, it'll just be interesting to see. Yeah, I think what's what's interesting about Mad Lines is, I, before I dive into this, like, do, do you guys think there's anything to like, the least in one trick? Like, accusation, essentially, for Shadow? Because, I mean... Small sample size, but it was much worse when he wasn't playing Lee Sin. So, is there anything to that? I mean, he had, some, he had some savage. About, uh, he had some savage hackroom games. So I guess I shouldn't say that. But I heard that same statement about somebody else, and I didn't didn't agree with it in either point. Being Broxa, um, I, I don't think either one of those guys is a Lee Sin one trick. I, I think people agree. just get get caught up in 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 win rates. Yeah, and then that stuff go and that. That going around, like you see that same post on Twitter like yep. twenty times with somebody calling him that, and then everybody just buys into it. I don't think either one of those guys was like that. I so agree. I just want to, I just want to get you guys' thoughts on it because I'm 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 sympathetic there with you, John. Um, uh, what was I, what was I going to say? I had something else about this team. Yeah, they they kind of remind me. They were. It's so weird to see their antics on camera and how much fun they were having, and then see something like this happen. Right? Isn't that weird? Like, I, like it. It goes to show you that, like, maybe none of this was happening. Like, this is just our speculation, but it's just a weird look. So maybe, maybe there wasn't any grudges and there wasn't anything like that, and this was just a money thing or just a opportunity thing, right? But you also don't know what's going on beneath, you know, behind the scenes. Like, yeah, they could do all these goofy things on camera and then probably immediately yell at each other, and you would never know, right? But it's just weird to see that kind of thing with a team that was – they were like the poster children. They were so fun to watch. And then this. So I, I, I don't know. It, this whole situation is just weird. Like, I'm with you, Justin. Like, I, I, don't, I don't know what to take of it. It's just a bizarre situation. But I, one thing I will say is that this team was a heavy chemistry team. They were chemistry. They had good draft advantages. They, I, I thought their drafting was outstanding. 
lot of people called it too cute. I don't think it was at all. I think it was just always they were always trying to attack you, which is what I like, I'm a huge fan of that, and I think way too many teams are way too conservative. They were to me they played plus EV in like every draft. Like they weren't trying to give you anything. Like they were they were always trying to counterpick something. They were all, like sometimes it it ended up looking bad or looking weird, but I liked that they were always pushing the envelope. And uh, I I, I want to see if they can keep that up or if this is going to be a different looking team because I think that was a big part of how good they were. Besides, like they have good players, but just the players wasn't going to be good enough to win them a title. Right? It was the combination of all these things. So. I wonder how disrupting all of that is going to end up affecting this team. Medlines are another team that I actually think have a pretty wide range of outcomes. Like, I could see this team struggling for a while and then, like, turning it on at the end, like, figuring it out, and they're just good by the end of the season. But by then, they're in, like, seventh or sixth place or something like that. I don't know. Do you guys, like, that's the way I'm looking at them. Like, I know this team should be good, but it wouldn't surprise me to see them have a bit of a slow start while while they're getting acclimated to all the new stuff here. Yeah, I could, I could see them starting a little bit slow, but I think this team's going to be good in spring and summer. I don't think we're going to yeah. see a, a split taken off from them. I think they're just going to be good. Yeah, I mean, the, the players are really, really good, so there's a pretty high floor in that aspect. So I guess the range of outcomes is big in terms of, like, this could be a team that could contend with G2, I think. But I don't think it's necessarily, like, ever going to be, like, an 8th, ninth, or 10th place team. So Next up, we've got Rogue. So kind of interesting to see like where you guys have this cutoff um i kind of have g2 fanatic and rogue a cut above everyone else but so john how john has g2 fanatic and mad lions a cut above everyone else josh uh, uh chris has same thing as me g2 fanatic he has g2 and fanatic a cut above everyone and then a drop off to third fourth fifth etc Josh, how's uh, how, I'm trying to look at your percentages here to see how yours break down. Yeah, mine's more like yours. I think the top three. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I think, yeah, I, I'm more of a top three, and then and then fall off. Got it. Got it. Got it. So, um, yeah, I guess uh, we'll talk about Rogue here. So, uh, John, you're the only one that doesn't have them in that top three. Rogue is the is my sunning of the LEC. I think their their last season was an overperformance from their roster. I think similarly to how I talked about Mao's, I think this team was generally speaking not that good if Larson was not having big games. It wasn't quite like leader where he needed to go like 10-0 on an assassin or whatever. But in games where Larson wasn't like doing pretty exceptional things, I didn't think the rest of Rogue was that strong. And so they're going to need Larson to be arguably the best mid laner in the league, like right there with Caps in order for them to be competitive. Uh, I think they need that. They have a new support now. I was not that big, that high on Vander, so going to Trimby, uh, not a mind-blowing change for me. Adding Oduwamne over Finn has its upside and downside. I actually, I, I didn't hate Finn as much as a lot of people did. I do think Oduwamne, I talked about it earlier, is a very good, if you're a team that wants to team fight around objectives, I think Oduwamne is like a great player to have on your team. I think he's really good at making sure he's in position for those, getting a good teleport in on a flank. He plays the right kind of champions. So I think he could be helpful in that way. For me, this is like talent level. 
I think this team is like a fifth or sixth place team on talent uh, if you take out Larson. So it's about how far Larson can can go for me. Because uh, the rest of the lineup, just I'm not that impressed with Hans, uh, Hansama. I'm really unimpressed with Inspired, to be honest with you. I think Odoamne is like a middle-of-the-table, solid top laner. That's where our disagreement's at. I, I think Inspired's very, very good. I actually saw I, I'm, I didn't see him as a super strong player last season personally. Yeah. So where would you have inspired ranked, John? Just curious. In the current LEC or like last last year? Like either, last year. yeah. Yeah, maybe last year. Somewhere right in the middle of the table. I'd have to look at the specifics, but somewhere right around like fifth in the league, somewhere in, in that range. Larson for me was like almost as good as Caps, and everybody else on the team was like average ish. So to me, I think Rogue are, are, are a, like a rare confluence of I, – I don't see – there's not a single player on this team except Trimby who I, we don't know how he's going to translate. I assume he's going to be fine. I don't, I don't know if he's going to be outstanding. But the other four players, not a single one of them is below the bottom. Like they're all top five players at the position to me. And I think – I probably have Inspired a lot higher. Like I, I think Inspired was probably probably three – at jungle for me, like I think I think I think it was just self-made Yankos. And honestly, I for most of last season, I thought he was playing better than Yankos because he was better positioned for the game. I definitely would have had Shadow ahead of him for sure. Yeah, I, I think that's that's re- that's reasonable. Um, so to me, this is the weird confluence of they're just solid across the board. They don't really have any weak links. And they're also a team that was greater than the sum of their parts. So, like, in, like Rogue weren't winning. Like, when Rogue were winning games, it wasn't because... Uh, I, I disagree on the Larson take. Larson got all the credit for this team, and Larson's extremely good. Like, make no mistake. But to me, Rogue were a full-team effort team. They were, all, they, were, they were all about... Everything was in sync. They had great vision control. They were contested. They did the same exact things every single game, and every team knew it was coming, and teams couldn't stop them still. They did the same exact Herald play every single game, and nobody could stop them. Even at Worlds. So, to, to me... Yeah. What's up? Go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say, you're going to see this same take from me whenever you have a team that's exactly like you just described, like a better than the sum of their parts, but not that skilled overall team. Because I think those kinds of teams, like not individually skilled on that level, because I think those teams are capable in the right metas and when they're in the right mindset and when everything is going well, I think those teams can overperform. But I think it's really easy for those types of teams to fall apart. I feel really similarly about Sunning is like, I think they were greater than the sum of their parts team who, who really caught it into the right meta and they were feeling great. But I, yeah, like I said, when you don't have the individual talent, a lot of times it falls apart if there's a little meta change or if you lose your confidence or, you know, they come in and lose the first couple of games of the season and somebody's not playing well, then suddenly I feel like it, it goes to hell a lot faster with those types yeah. of teams. So yeah. I tend to, to assume that those teams are going to regress more. So like the opposite style of those teams for me, even though they are a friendship team, the opposite of those is like a, is like an Invictus. I always rate Invictus highly because their individual skill is crazy. Yeah, like so if the teamwork is working, then oh my god, they're world beaters. And if the teamwork's not working, the shy can still just dumpster whoever he's playing against yeah. and, and hope it works out. Where I don't see like Han Sama and Trimby dumpstering anybody because they're so great. You know yeah. what I mean? I do think so. Like that, th- this kind of speaks to a, a good point. Just because we're going to be doing a bunch of these these 
you know preview shows and everything, but that's been a consistent trend. Like we that's like we we both evaluate that like this kind of team differently, right? So I tend to think that like that's I'm higher on these kind of teams and you're lower on these kind of teams. The reason I like Rogue so much though is because I don't think like I don't think this is average talent. I think they're good at every position. Like I think I think Hansam is the worst player on this team. Like I'm not including Trimby because I we just don't know yet. But like I think I think Hansam is the worst player on that team, and that's a pretty that's a pretty high bar to meet. So, like I had Hansam as like the fourth eighty carry, fourth or fifth, depending on you know your your thoughts on different different things. So I'd like, have to go back and look, but I'm guessing that I would rate every player on this team that's not Larson somewhere around fifth at their position in the league. So if I was guessing. So here's here's what I'll say, right? And and, and you have a lot of teams changing stuff. You have, like, wh- like that's just a that's like a third place team, to me. Like, not necessarily like, I'm, I'm saying specifically third, but like, unless it's like an actual elite team, like a G two, where they have like multiple best at, best in position type players, that's going to be better than almost everybody in the league most most seasons. It's like James Harden and four role players. Uh, yeah, so, right, so I, th- that's that's like see that's where our big divergence is at with this team is that I don't think this is just the Larson show, and I think you tend to think it's you're you're more toward that end of the spectrum, and I'm I, I think no, this I mean, is a full team. Ever. Everybody else that was on that rogue team has been around for a long time, and they've never been very good until that rogue team. So like one split of them like being really super good doesn't convince me that the last like three years of watching those guys play, they all of a sudden like leveled up to being. Superstars. I mean, Hans Sama has been a stud in previous years, and his uh, now they have Odo Amne. Yeah, and I mean, the last like couple of years, Odo Amne and Hans Sama have not been impressive. Like on that, on a superstar individual talent yeah. level, I do think Odo Amne does his job well, yeah. but he's never been like a, the shy. You know, where I'm just like, man, this guy's just out here dumpstering everybody. You know, that's fair. I, yeah, I, th- I think that like it's just it's good to illustrate like at least we're consistent in how we evaluate these teams. Cause we always, we always end up arguing on these kind of teams, right? Like that's, uh, you know, just speaking to like how we tend to evaluate things. Um, Josh, did I just completely skip over you with this? I got lost in that conversation. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, 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 Yeah. I mean, I think it's a good conversation. It's funny because I agree with John on suiting and I completely disagree on rogue. So it's, I don't know why we keep doing this stupid. One of us is on one side, the other's on the other. And, <laughs> no. But, you know, it's, you know, or at least we're consistent. Uh, just quickly on, on the Odo thing, like, I think it's going to be, I, I don't know, I don't think you can overstate how much of an improvement he is going to be over Finn. And that's not to say necessarily I think Finn was that bad. I just think Odo Omni is really good. Yeah. Uh, I know John said, like, he wasn't dumpstering at opponents. He was averaging uh, plus 6.4 CS difference at 10 minutes. And the only player averaging more was Elfari. So, like, and and like you said, he's playing team fighters. So you're talking about a guy playing team fighting champions, destroying his laners um, up, up by 67 XP and up by 6.4 uh, CS at 10 minutes. So I, that was in summer. I think he's a very, very good player. So I think he's a, definitely a massive step up. And I don't think Finn was bad. We talked about this quickly before the show. I, I think he was, I think Finn got the nemesis treatment and that he was the worst player on a good team. And um, the thing is, I definitely, I, I lean a little bit more towards John's side about it being a Larson team. I just don't think that's bad because I think that's how you can be successful. Like if you're just like, I don't, I guess the, the contrary point is like 
why would you want a team to play towards a guy that you think is worse, right? Because, yeah. John, you said you think everyone else except for Larson's the fifth-best player. So, like, why should they play around the fifth-best player in the league? Oh, no, I think they should play around Larson. My only thing is, like, Larson's been around for a little bit, and that was his first split being, like, a Caps-level mid laner. And so I'm less likely to believe that he's going to, like – like, they need him to be a Caps-level mid laner. And if he's not, then I don't even think they're in the conversation to be to be competitive. So yeah, I think I like, mean, they have to have him be a, a Caps-level mid laner, and I'm just not 100% sure we're even going to get that. Yeah, I got you. Yeah, I mean, he was that was what his third and, third and fourth split or whatever. So I guess, I guess that makes sense. Um, I just think – I don't know. I just think that this team is just good. Uh, I, don't, I do think inspired – was someone that benefited a little bit from the meta, but he was also playing like, and he's been referred to in the past, like an Olaf one trick. So it'll be interesting to see how he, he ends up doing, but, and I, I've also never really been, I, to me, Han Sama is the EU Cody son a little bit. Like, I think he's usually overrated. Um, and I don't know much about Trimby. So I, I definitely think there are questions here, but I think when you're comparing them to someone uh, like Mad Lions, to me, it's like, they're definitely better at top lane, definitely better at jungle for me. And then I think they're better at mid lane and then bot lane. They're not better. So I think they're very close to that team. Uh, I really wish, I really wish sometimes that we had like an objective way to rank players where you could just yeah. like a hundred percent say like, Oh, well, Yankos was just better than self-made. Like here's the, here's the, the stat that yeah. shows you a hundred percent. He was just better. Cause I think I would take El Yoya and Tinks against inspired. Two people really? that you were low on. I think if we had an objective way to prove which one did better, I think I would take both yeah. of them over Inspired for the upcoming season. Yeah, yeah. That's... I'm looking at. I don't know if you guys heard Veteran did rankings. He had like Madden player ratings. I can link it to you guys, but he has Elioya as an 81 and Inspired as an 85, um, and he had Tinks as a 90. So I have he... Veteran as a 44. So <laughs> yeah, I don't know. That's like the that's like the closest thing to an objective. And it's not even objective because he's clearly a biased individual. But that's like the closest thing I can think of as far as objective. That's not between us. But yeah, I mean, this is a game that's going to be highly dependent on your, on your teammates and stuff. So it's very hard to get any sort of objective yeah. measure like that. That's something Vince has been working on as well. Yeah. So but, I've been I've yeah. been doing this, and like the next step for me is to to basically the the like the art of it. Like I've done I've broken down like what like the things that I think are important and the measures and all that stuff, but there's still like interpretation to be had, like, you know, adjustments up or down depending on context. Right. And that's, that's always the thing here. Right. For me, like, I mean, I'll just, I'll just go through Like, I'll just say like what the model spits out. And it's just, again, it's just statistics. It's just summer. So take from it what you will and upgrade wherever you see fit. But I had Odo Omni at four amongst top laners inspired at six Larson at five, which that's the, the outlier here and Hansama at four. So that's like, but that's like ranking by position, but each of them were kind of a cut above the next person down on that list. So to me, that's like a pretty clear cutoff. Now rogue won a lot of games, which is why you need to, you need to kind of take that into account here. So maybe slight adjustments down. So I can see what John's saying about how you have a bunch of guys that are just like, you know, third to fifth. And then you have Larson who is, you know, clearly very, very good. Um, this doesn't, again, doesn't tell the full story, but 
to me, I look at a team like this and these other teams, we have players in our heads that we think are good and we just attribute to being good. But if you look at their like numbers, it doesn't measure out that way. And I'm measuring stuff like that's important by position, right? Uh, top laners, I'm doing like kill participation, XP differential, um, goal differential. I'm, I'm not going to go through and dissolve them, but I try to do stuff that's like relevant and pertinent to their position. So like carries get a boost for damage per gold, like carry efficiency. They don't, but their vision scores matter less because that's not their job, right? Supports get a boost in their vision scores. So I'm trying to measure it that way. And it's, it's kind of telling for who's having good individual performances. Doesn't always necessarily measure to, you know, what we might actually think are the best, right? Like in this, so like in this model, Melitza grades is the best mid laner. I don't think Melitza is the best mid laner, but it's telling that if you look at the data for it, like he's impressive. He's very, very impressive. And it's telling that nobody would have said that Melissa yeah. was yeah, and was near that level, and you can see some something in the stats anyway. Yeah, so so it's it's you got to kind of find a, a, a middle ground, right? Where like there's something to this, but you got to find the proper adjustments to make. Like, yeah, how do you account for you know did they get counter pick in eighty percent of the game, so they were always winning their lane? Did um they always get jungle ganks? Did was there a team dynamic going on? But yeah, we could go we could go off on this, and I can I can talk to you guys about it more off air, but. To me, Rogue, the floor is just really high. Like, this team was a really good fundamental team. I think they have really, really good players. And, you know, maybe I don't see them winning winning the league necessarily, but I, I just don't see them bouncing outside of the top four. So I, I guess this is kind of like a top situation, not quite, where it's like they're just the team that I think has the, the highest floor. Like, their their worst-case scenario to me is like fourth fourth or fifth place. So... Um, I mean, I, I, it's obvious what the next two are. It's just a matter of like where we have them. So we have Fnatic at two. This was consensus. Everybody had them at two. The only difference here was how far apart you had them from G2 and how far apart you had them from either Mad or, or Rogue, whoever you had at four. So it's going to be Fnatic and G2. I mean, we don't have to go. We don't have to go into each of these teams individually. Everybody knows the players. Everyone's talked these two teams to death at this point, right? The top of the table. How does this dynamic look for you guys? Because I don't think G two are actually that much. Like I, I think G two deserve to be the favorites. I think G two are the best team in the LEC. Everyone's treating this like it's a foregone conclusion. I'm not. Like I don't think this is automatic. So. I think it depends on what your definition of like foregone conclusion is. Yeah. Because when we get to the percentages in a minute here, we're going to see how kind of how we feel percentage wise. And I don't think anybody, let me look at the numbers real quick. I don't think anybody has G2 over 50%. But yeah, the odds say has, a lot more. Nobody has that. G2 over 50%, just as a little spoiler to win the league. That said, they're way more likely to win it than anybody else. Yeah. Exactly, and, and we all and we all agree on that. Like percentage wise, I don't think anybody has anybody within like thirty points of them. Yeah, other so, than, other than a little bit there, but yeah. So it kind of depends on what you mean by that. Like, I think they're about as likely as anybody else in the league to win, and way more likely than any other individual team. But that doesn't mean they're like eighty percent to win the league or ninety percent to win the league. Exactly, and. uh so for, I guess we're, we're just going to jump right to that because I think that's the best context to discuss these two because we've talked to death the players and the situations. And if you're not sure, we talked a lot about these in the uh, LEC roster moves. It was the first hot stove season because most of these moves were done already. 
So um, feel free to check that out for more in-depth conversation about it. But so With the percentages, basically, I like a, basically what we did was I asked just blind. I asked each of each of the guys to divvy up the percentage chance that you think that team has to win the spring split outright. Like, divvy it up. It has to add up to 100%. So basically create your own futures market is, is what I was asking you to, to go through, and we're going to compare them to the futures prices. And, you know, a bit of a, bit of a, a, a lesson here for people that don't, you know, bet into futures markets or are, are interested in how they work. Futures, in a traditional betting market, you have VIG, vigorous juice, uh, whatever you want to call it. And it's usually between 2 and 6%. You know, the esports like six percent, whatever, but it's like pretty common for us. But in futures, the more options you have in a market, the more the book can tack on little bits of juice to each one, and you end up in a market overall that the book is getting a huge take in. So we talked we talked in the LPL show that there was seventeen teams, there was a thirty seven and a half percent rake. So if you added up, if you took all the uh, numbers for each of the teams converted them to implied odds. It would add up to one hundred and thirty-seven and a half percent because the book's taking thirty-seven and a half percent for the luxury of you being able to, you know, bet these big numbers. The trick with these is because you're betting into a high vig market, your edge needs to be substantial, not just a little bit. It needs to be a bigger edge. You need to have a damn good reason to be taking shots, particularly the higher up the board you go, because that's where it's it's concentrated, right? So I had the guys put together essentially their futures, like their percent chance for each of the teams to win, and we're going to go ahead and compare them to the futures prices for each of these teams. And I think it's going to be fairly telling uh, about which teams you probably want to stay away from just because the price isn't right. Uh, do you guys have anything you want to tack on to that? I have a, a speech that like I've had a vein popping out of my head the whole entire podcast that I wanted to give yeah. specifically related to this because I think people there's a, an important thing that people miss here. Yeah, go for it. So when you're betting on a team to win the league in futures, there is a, a large difference between you what you think their chance to win the league is and what you think their chance to be the best team in the league is. And I think people don't don't grasp that a lot of the time. So there's a number of teams here. Like I would say there are seven, six or seven teams here that I would give a 0% chance almost of being the best team in the league. But I've given all of those teams some chance of winning the championship, like some percentage chance of winning the championship, because you don't have to be the best team to win the championship. Exactly. If, you were, if you had to be the best team to win the championship, you know, we why could just would we watch the playoffs. Yeah, yeah, why would we, we watch it, right? We all know who the best team is going into the playoffs, but that doesn't mean they're all, they're automatically going to win. That's why the Miami Heat were in the finals last year. I don't think anybody would argue they were the second best team in the NBA. So, there, when you're giving out percentages, that's why I think a lot of people view G two as like eighty percent to win the league. It's because they have like an eight, people view them as having an eighty percent chance to be the best team, but that doesn't give them an eighty percent chance to win the championship. Yeah. And so I think I just wanted to give like that perspective to people because I think there's only three teams in this league that I think have a chance to be the best team in the league, but there's like eight or nine teams that I think have a chance to win the championship, even though I think only three of them are, have the chance to be the best. One thing I'll tack on to that is like coming at it from a, a purely nerd math angle, right? So if you think about a league 
and you have a hundred percent chance someone's going to win the league a hundred percent of the time. Right? So there's 10 teams in the league. If every team was the exact same skill level, every team would be 10% chance to win the league. Right? So if you think about it and start there as a baseline and then start moving up and down, you'll find that you will almost never ever get to the odds that are implied. Right? So like, for example, we're going to talk about G2, right? But if we are just coming from this from a math angle and we're starting at every team being a 10% at a baseline and then we're making adjustments, we'll never get to the 66.67 implied percent probability that the books have, have authored here for G2 to win the split. And the reason being, because you've heard us talk about these teams, all these teams have good players. G2 may have the five best players and the best team, but that doesn't mean they're the most likely. We saw this team last year in what we thought was the literal like untouchable. We thought they were even going to be like a world's favorite team come out of the gates limping and barely even making the spring playoffs. They had to go beaten. through the losers bracket. <laughs> like... Yeah. Getting beaten by a rookie team in the playoffs and they almost lost the split. So, so I think if you started that baseline of like, okay, let's say, assume it's completely uniform. Every single team has the exact same odds and then change. Then it, it'll click a lot easier for you just to tack on to, to what John said. Yeah. I also have like one note to add on to that is like that, that whole, like just because the best, like the best team doesn't necessarily always win. Like, are you going to have just G2 as minus a thousand favorites as every single playoff t- against every single playoff team? Probably not. Right. Like, are they just going to like, if that was the case, then they're going to be minus 2000 every single game this season. Like that, that's the other way I look at this. So, yeah, like, like, we'll just go into it, I guess. So, yeah, if you think they're that big of a favorite, like what you're saying, if you think they're that much better than everybody else, then you should be betting them at minus 400 or 500, like every game of the season. Yeah. If you think they're that much better. And I think everybody is aware when we say it that way that that wouldn't be a profitable strategy. Yeah. But we're, that's what we're saying. Like, that's, yeah. And, yeah. Uh, but I think when you phrase it that way, some of the people that are like, you have to bet G2 to win the championship, they're so much better than everybody. I think it clicks for people when you say like, okay, well, if they're that much better, then bet them at minus five hundred every game this season. You will make more, you'll make more money doing that way. <laughs> yeah, you might, and you don't have to have it tied up all season. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I was gonna say if you can just get like you know bet minus five hundred and get your like whatever it is like seventeen or eight whatever I can't remember off the top of my head. I think minus five hundred is like eighty three or something. If you collect your seventeen percent compounding interest every single game if that's the case right so um we're gonna go into this and we're gonna go uh futures prices here so g2 uh books have it at minus 200 to win the split that's implied odds 66.66 as josh mentioned where do you guys have them i have g2 at 40 percent. that was my slice of the pie for them i gave them 49 percent, and um I moved it back and forth between like 48% and 55%. I think they're like somewhere in that range yeah. for me. Uh, and just to tell you guys in advance, John is – his number on this is by far the most bullish of all of us. And it's still not anywhere remotely close to what the books have. So this is a classic case of you probably shouldn't bet G2 here and like we said – bet them over the court. If you really feel that strongly, if you think G2 is literally like 80% to win the split, then by all means, bet into this. But I, I think it's it's a really hard case to make if you think that's the... You know what I'm saying? Like, that's a hard case to make. Anything could I'd happen. Say, 
I've made absurd money betting G2 futures in the last few years, like basically every split, and I didn't even consider them this split. Their odds in the past, they've had like plus 120. They were minus, like they were about even money yeah. uh, one year, uh, and then they were they were plus uh, the other split. I didn't even consider it this split with, yeah. with this number. This number is way too large. Yeah. Um, Fanatic. I put Fanatic at 18%. I was dead at eighteen percent as well. Josh had the net. Uh, I didn't. Yeah, I didn't say my G two. I had G two at thirty eight and Fnatic at nineteen. Rationale being, I think G two is about two times more likely than Fnatic to win the split. Yeah. Uh, what? How do you guys square that? Because I know John, you have them about I think two and a half. Yeah, I, th- I think they're coming up. Three, 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 I think they're coming up on three times as likely to win the split. Chris seems I think to think they're about three times as likely too, because he had forty and thirteen. He had the biggest delta of all of us. I think there's like two ways the G two doesn't win the LEC this year. There's like two paths to where that doesn't happen. The first one is like some sort of massive regression, and people act like this isn't a possibility. But we have definitely had splits where a guy was an MVP caliber candidate one split, and the next split he was mediocre or Fair. bad. Scaring. Icon. Icon. Icon literally went from like, holy shit, this guy's the next coming of, you know, he's like the next stud mid laner to, oh my god, this guy's not even a starter. Like It happens, dude. And I'm not saying it's likely, but also, like, I mean, Yankos two years ago, MVP of the league, Yankos last split, he was good. But who's to say he doesn't take, like, another step back and he goes from being good to being average or below average. So that's one path. And then the other path is just somebody beats them in the playoffs. Like, they're just the best team in the league, and somebody beats them on the day. That happens all the time in every league, in, you know, in that we have. Invictus and LGD last season. I think we all thought Invictus were a way better team. Yeah, <laughs> and so there's, there's nothing to say with how good some of these teams are. There's nothing to say that G2 doesn't get outplayed on the day by a Fnatic or a Mad Lions. Yeah. People forget also – when they view G2 so positively, and I do too, I, I thought G2 was incredible the last few seasons, yeah. but they forget Fnatic took them to five games like three times yeah. and lost every time. There's nothing to say Fnatic couldn't have won game five in one of those series. Yeah. I mean, we always thought G2 was better than Fnatic, but there's nothing to say that Fnatic couldn't have pulled one more game out in one of those series. <clears throat> and then they wouldn't have felt quite as untouchable as people were viewing them yeah. if they had lost even one of those series. But they were very capable of losing one. So, yeah, there's, so those are the two paths. You never know if just something's going to go wrong, the team just doesn't gel, or there's regression. To me, that's the third That's the third path, which is the reckless acquisition just doesn't pan out as well as people thought it was. And, I mean, I, I think that's a fairly – I think there's a there's a non – there's definitely, like, a, a decent chance that he doesn't gel with the dynamic. Not that he's – like, obviously, reckless is a really good player. I'm more talking, like, does he fit this team? I think yeah, that's actually a real question. We talked about that. This is an Invictus-type team where they're a power of friendship, we are all ready to play the game the same way all the time type team, and you take away somebody and put in another player, even if the other player is skilled, if they're not a if they're a Leon instead of a Ning, yeah. sometimes that can make a really big difference for a team like this, yeah. even if Leon's just as good or better than Ning. Yeah, and you, exactly. Like, you look at, and Leon's been really, really good compared to Ning, but just doesn't work sometimes. Khan and Gimgun. Like, it's just yeah, Ning was ready for that play, and sometimes Leon's not ready for that play, or Rookie was always ready for that play, and Forge wasn't when Forge was playing. So, yeah, even though Reckless is very good, there's definitely a chance that we just see them not gel as well. And maybe they're still really good, but just don't win the league. That's what you got to think of. Yeah. Like, it's not like they have to completely fail 
in order to not win the league. They could just lose one series to a Fnatic or a Mad Lions, and you're gone. What What is your percent chance that G2 like are just the best team by the end of the season, regardless of uh, whether they win it or not? Probably 60% or somewhere around there. That's still less than the book odds to win the split. So, like, that's that's kind of what we're yeah. getting at here. So, um, who's next? Uh, we'll do Rogue next, I guess. Uh, I had Just Rogue. One at... thing... Yeah, go ahead. There's one thing on G2 I want to touch on the Reckless point. I think the the biggest thing there for me is not necessarily the, the power friendship angle, but the communication angle. Yeah. Like, everyone knows, like, we forget, I think people, I don't know, maybe they haven't forgotten, but I think people maybe don't recognize that Perks, like, made G2. Yeah. Or G2 made Perks, whatever it is. Like, they're meshed together in, in esports history here, right? Yeah. And, and he was such a such a big cog in that team and such a, a, a voice. And Reckless isn't, he's not a vocal player. Yep. Uh, in Perks general. is a shot caller, too. Like, yeah. So that's something like Wibbo talked about. It. He's like, Reckless won't ask for help because he knows he can just handle it himself type deal. Yeah. Okay. But the problem is Mickey X is not a shot caller. Now you have Reckless who's not a shot caller. And you have Caps who's more of a – less of a shot caller. He's more of yep. a quiet player. He's going to destroy his guy. So it, it, the burden's going strictly to Yankos now. Yeah. And I think that that matters more than people want to – That's. The communication aspect is one of those things we don't get that much insight into as, as casual fans, but it's something that definitely matters a lot. So uh, that's that's the part I think that's getting a little bit underrated, and why I, I think I had them the lowest percentage chance is because I kind of I kind of value that. I think that that's something that like if you're not willing to call for resources when you think that you are the one that needs it, then I think that that could be an issue. Yeah, uh, especially so. for especially for a team that they've been playing together. So obviously you had the, the, the role swap, but like they've essentially been playing together. Like these guys are essentially mind melded. Like what, what is the biggest strength G2's had in the last three years? What's made them so much better besides having the two best players in European history. Besides yeah, that. It, the, it the, is the, the mind melded and shot calling. Exactly. It's the chemistry. They just have, that's why they can do some of the wacky stuff that they can do because they're just, they're, they are in sync. They are five as one, you know? And that was to me, as good as Caps is, as good as Perks is, like in the pantheon of Western players ever, they're the two best, I think. As good as they are, G2's greatest strength isn't their players. It's the fact that they're also very, very good, but they have that that next level. That's what elevates them, because we've seen teams with just stud players before, and it's a, they're not as good as G2's ever been. The, yeah, the other thing is, like, we can't. Do do we remember 2020 Spring Team Liquid getting ninth place? Yeah. Like, it, it is possible for a team with insanely good players to just do bad. Yeah. Like, it, it can happen. We literally just saw it. And and even not to mention the team like IG that John talked about that, like, when when you're – when you when we watch G2 of old, when we watch IG of old, it was like Vince's favorite meme is – I don't know what movie it's from – that he can't keep getting away with this guy. Oh, that's Breaking uh, Bad. Jesse from Breaking yeah. Bad. His favorite meme. But that's what it was like watching these teams because yeah. they'd be, be taking a fight that's like 30-70 and they would always win it. And it's like, how the fuck are you yeah. winning this? And if they lose that capability, a lot of the, the coin flips start going against them. And, you know, again, I'm making this sound way more likely than, than it is. These are just the negatives you need to consider with a yeah. team. And that's why like, we wouldn't be taking them at these two-thirds to win yeah. the split odds. When you're looking at odds like that, 
you basically have to be damn certain. Like, that's it. Like, you you are, at that point, you're basically absolutely certain that they're going to win the split. And I'll ask you this. Would you even take G2 at those odds in, like, let me see. Would you take top esports at those odds in the LCS? In the LCS? Yeah. Pro- uh, probably. <laughs> yeah. In the LCS, but, probably. But, no, that, but that's like, I had to think about it. <laughs> right. But that's the point is you have to take the top team from the – not really, yeah, but – The top four team in the world. <laughs> yeah. To, you know, the worst major region to take those odds. Yeah. You know what I mean? You have to – like, you, there's so many hoops you have to jump through to, to do that. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, and and when you're when you're breaking down a number like this, you, this is the kind of level you need to go to. Be like, is reckless going to gel? Absolutely. Okay, sure. Then then you're in on it. But unless you can answer these questions with b- relative certainty, then yeah, you can't do it. Uh, Rogue, I had Rogue at fifteen percent, slightly below Fnatic. Four percent, and I give them a zero percent chance. This is one of those teams that I was talking about where. I give them a 4% chance to win the league, but I'm giving them a 0% chance of being the best team. If they win the league, it'll. It, I think it will be because they upset a team that we think is better than them on the way there. Okay. Yeah, and uh, that's you know in line with your, your ratings or your rankings as well. So, um, Josh, you had them at 17%. So you, this is why I was talking about, like, we are very, very close. Um, yeah, I think I, I was struggling between Rogue and Fnatic, honestly. Um, I think that what's really weird is like I just like Fnatic has the much better jungler, uh, but otherwise it was a little bit tough for me. I think I think it got a little bit tough between those two. I think they're pretty close. I think they're pretty close to to the same odds, so that's why I gave Fnatic the the, the slight edge. Um, but I don't know. I, I thought they were pretty close. Yeah, I think when you do it this way, it's pretty like it, it makes it a lot clearer. Like it makes your tiers suddenly a lot more defined too. So. Uh, I won't go with a specific team, but like your fourth place team. What was the difference between your fourth place team and and your third place team, John? So I had I I didn't have Rogue in either of those spots. We just yeah. talked about Rogue, but I had Rogue in fifth. Um, my third place team was Mad Lions, um, and I had Mad Lions at sixteen percent. I had Fnatic at eighteen, so I had Mad Lions actually just slightly less likely to win the league than Fnatic. I think that's how good I think Mad Lions roster is. Yeah. Um, they're the only, well, yeah, they're the only team that plays out like correctly with the odds that the book has in order to be a bet for me, uh, is Mad Lions. They're the only team that I predicted to have a better chance of winning than the book predicted. So they would excel. Is Excel too? Yeah. Yeah. You have Excel. Excel or. Oh yeah. No, you're right. You're right. I didn't see Excel's odds are actually just nuts. I'm almost definitely betting Excel. Yeah. So, so yeah, okay. So, so those are the only two teams that so, I have more likely than the book. Just to illustrate again, like you know, teacher time here. Um, so John, if this was like twelve percent versus ten percent, you're probably not doing it, right? Uh, probably not. And this is this is a lesson too in futures that I think a lot of people don't get. And it's not true every split, but rarely do I find myself betting on whoever the favorite is or whoever up near the favorites in futures usually when i'm betting futures it's either going to be teams like these like excels plus 4100 mad lions plus 900 those are the kinds of teams that i'm going to end up betting futures on more often uh 
I'm almost never betting a futures that's like even money. I did it on G2 when G2 was even money, but other than that, like you're not going to see us very often recommending to bet a team that's like in the minuses in futures or or right around that range. It's usually these bigger numbers. I like to, I like to do like a the the general like the, the the brief the quick math rule of thumb is calculate the hold percentage divide it by the number of teams there is and you're gonna get a number so in this case you would take like the twenty one and a half percent hold divide it by the ten teams in the league and you have a two point you know one five percent more like tacked on to what the odds already are so you need to have at least that to break even kind of like traditional vig like was it fifty two point four percent in like a minus one ten market so. If you're not greater than that, you're not breaking even on it, and it's like probably not worth looking at. So you need to have a substantial edge in futures to to overtake you know the odds that we're talking about. We kind of touched on this at the top. So for John, John has Mad Lions at like roughly sixteen percent. The book has Mad Lions at ten percent. That's a six percent. Like that's that's a that's about my limit. Like I need more than that most of the time, unless it's like one of the very lower teams. So again, that's not exactly. That's just like the quick, the quick notes, like rule of thumb way to do it, like off the top of your head. So let's see. I do think it's kind of interesting. That like from here, like it tears down, it scales down, like almost it's like the same exact curve for all of us. Like we have like a G two, like in the forties. We have second and third in like the teens, like mid teens, like low to mid teens. Then it's like single digits. And then half the single digits, and then half the single digits again. So um, we don't have to go through like every team, but I I, I kind of just wanted to illustrate like as an example. I'll, I'll do mine as an example. So like IG two at forty, Fnatic at eighteen, Rogue at fifteen. Then it cuts off to Fnatic, Schalke, Mad Lions at seven and six percent, Excel at four percent, Astralis two, Misfits one, SK one. So it kind of like tails off like that. Um, I don't want to spend like the whole time going over that. But, like, let's just let's just talk about like with that with that concept in mind because that's how you need to approach this stuff. Make your own markets for this. If you don't have a big edge on it, don't feel like you have to bet into a futures unless you're doing it, you know, for fun or whatever. So, plays you're considering for the LEC. Uh, for me, it's Rogue and Excel, and I think that's that's pretty much it. I think. Uh... Obviously, we're uh, John and I are a little bit flipped on between Excel and Rogue in terms of uh, where they rank for us. I think, um, but I have I have Rogue right up there with Fnatic for the third best team, and I think that they're like the they're the type of team that I I like. That's just kind of a consistent team that I think in you know one of those stages where the game gets variant or something could just end up winning winning a series. Um, so I, I like them. The books have them at 12 and a half. I gave them a 17%. So that kind of ties up with the rule. And then Excel, same thing. I think they have a lot of upside with this roster. Pretty young, high ceiling, definitely a, re- a really underrated bot lane in my opinion. And I think uh, Cries has shown the ability to do some things in the top lane to give them a lot of promise. Um, plus 4,100 is just way too high for me. Even the 2.5% thing would only put that at uh, 4.8%. I gave them 6%. So I still have a little bit of an edge there. Yeah, I do think you kind of have to fluctuate the rule a bit as the as percentage the bit bigger yeah 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 so the fact that they're 2.3 percent uh you almost want to do something with a, a, a percentage based but uh i, I think it's a pretty big edge on that plus 4100 yeah. number so after, after our conversation I'm, I'm a little bit I, I moved excel up like literally during the middle of this show so my percent for excel is 
I'm probably going to take a chunk out of that Rogan fanatic, like the top three, and add it to to incorporate them into that tier with with Mad Lions, Vitality, Shalka for me. Because um, I do think Excel are, are in that level. And if I do that, they're going to be a play for me for the same reasons. Um, I have Shalka and Vitality. I was a little higher on them than I think you guys were. But uh, Vita- I, I put Vitality at, you know, 6 or 7%. And, you know, their implied is 1.9%. So that's an example. It's like, okay, it's a long shot, but when you have enough of a gap like that, you play like a small stake on it. Like, I'm not talking like big money here, but you play a small stake on that kind of thing because I don't. I, I do think that's in the range of, opportun- like, you know, outcomes for this team. I'm, I'm pretty optimistic. So, yeah, for me, it was mad and XL. Uh, yeah. Excel, we all kind of agree on. I think that plus four thousand, plus forty one hundred is a little high for Excel. Yeah, um, and then we just talked about Mad Lions uh, fits my percentage as well. Mad Lions for me might have higher upside than Fnatic. I think they're they grade out to be likely to be worse than Fnatic, but their upside is is probably better. So I think that's reasonable. Um, so yeah, uh, <laughs> Chris wrote Astralis ninety nine to one. <laughs> I mean, based on the logic, you know, if, if he if he ha- I mean, he has Australis extremely high, so he's a ten percent on Australis, and they're implied one percent. So, but that makes sense for him. So, we just wanted to talk you over because I, I kind of realized in the middle of like last show that like we I, I've never really gone through and discussed how to do this kind of thing, and maybe it could have been its own standalone show, but uh, I think it now is as good a time as any to introduce people to how to approach these kind of things. And the one other thing I'll add for futures is have a game plan. Uh, if if you have these aren't quite as 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 malleable and and liquid as like an NFL or a college basketball or soccer market, right? Where you can update, like you the futures change and they release new ones every week, and you can kind of like <clears throat> trade like trade stocks essentially and be like, okay, like this team's down, but I think they before the season I had them high, so I think I want to buy low on them, and then you can. You know, kind of do that over the course of the season and establish like this weird portfolio that like you you end up like essentially guaranteeing some money. Have a plan for these kind of things. Like, know when you want to get out of a team. Like, with some of these middle of the table teams, a lot of times this is essentially like a bet on them to get to finals. That's the way I tend to look at it. And some books will allow you to do that. Like, they'll have uh, either way bets where you can, you know, they basically cut the odds in half for them to make finals or cut it by a third or something. So, a lot of times you want to have have an escape route. Like, do you think this team makes finals? Uh, if you do, and that's, like, your end game, then have an idea of how you want to hedge and lock in a profit there. Or if you think that, like, there's a good – if they catch a bad first-round matchup or something like that, it might be a good opportunity to, get like, at least get back, you know, what you put in there. So those kind of things. Um, have a plan. That's for everything. Have a plan for this stuff. Don't just go willy-nilly into it. I think that's that's the main lesson here, right? All right, that's the LEC. We should have the LCS coming up to you guys next week, and we'll have the LCS lock-in starting in a couple of weeks. Um. We're recording this one as well before New Year's, so Happy New Year again. But I'm probably not going to be listening. You guys, I'm probably not going to be releasing this until the weekend, so I guess forget that, right? <laughs> um, obviously, check out the esports department. Uh, content train's going to be rolling very, very soon, probably this weekend. 
And uh, we're going to have you all prepped for 2021 in the four major leagues and maybe a little bit more as well. So you guys have anything else? Nope, that's all for me. Josh, anything? No no football selections for this week? (laughs) Assuming Drew Brees is playing. I mean, we have one bet locked in, but, you know, what else are you going to do? Still on it. He's still on it. He's a man of his word, folks. I can only make the bet in spirit now. I I promised that once I realized that the world was a simulation, I would never bet football again. (laughs) I can only make the the bet against the Saints in spirit. Oh, my. Well, all right. Good luck this weekend. Um, If you guys have any questions about any of this stuff, uh, definitely tweet at the Gold Card Podcast. Tweet at any of us. Hit us up in the Discord. Uh, We are more than happy to answer questions about this stuff. So until next time, where we'll have the LCS. Gold Car Podcast signing off. We'll see you guys later. The Gold Card Podcast opening theme is Clouds by Harvey and the Hendersons. The closing theme is Wasp in a Hat by the Tea Club. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and Podbean to never miss an episode. Oh,